We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This week on The Timeline, we hear your favorite moments of 2018 and give you our best resolutions for 2019. It's a new year. 2019 is here. Let's get it. the timeline of phoenix suns podcast 2018 is finally over 2019 is here a new year a new suns maybe i'm joined today by a special guest co-host rice from reddit rice how are you doing you know mike i'm doing pretty good uh i had a great 2018 i can't say the same for the suns but you know what there's only nowhere to go but up right now (laughs) it's kind of funny so what we're gonna do is we're gonna do a little recap of a little bit of what happened in 2018 with some people who called in uh, who will have some great conversations of their favorite moments of 2018. And then we're going to talk about together, Rice and I, some resolutions for each Suns player and each uh, Suns sort of member around the Suns for 2019. So we're going to go over what we want each person to focus on for the year in uh, 2019. 2018 was an interesting year for the Phoenix Suns. You know, they uh, they were really bad. Uh, lots of heavy tanking in the back end of the 2017-2018 year. The worst record ever at the end of that season for the Phoenix Suns. But it resulted in the number one pick in the draft. And, of course, a potential future cornerstone in DeAndre Ayton. As a whole, how did you feel about 2018, Rice? Um, well, on the Sun side, you really said it all. It was uh, the worst ever. Uh, Devin Booker, TJ Warren both went down for extended periods of time. And uh, when we already weren't looking that great with them, uh, we looked pretty awful without them. And the only saving grace (laughs) was a guy who hasn't really pulled out that bag of tricks, Josh Jackson. You know, he was averaging 20 points per game to end the year. And, you know, we only got two or five wins, I think five and 35 without Devin Booker. Uh, we only got a handful of wins after that, but we still haven't seen. It's pretty brutal, and we still haven't seen Josh Jackson pull that back yet. 
Yeah, it was a pretty brutal ending. And it's kind of funny, you know, the the off season was a little up and down. The entire off season, I know you listen, Sam and I were talking about a point guard. The entire season we've been talking about a point guard. The Suns just never really put a full roster together to start the season. But then it started off in a really fun way with the, the beating Dallas at home and the crowd is really into it. DeAndre Ayton was just flying around getting offensive rebounds, dunking it. Uh, immediately posted up Luka Doncic on the first play of the season and scored on him immediately. It was a fun start to the 2018-19 season. And as we know, very little ups and a lot of downs for the 2018-19 season so far. There was that great four-game win streak, the longest of Devin Booker's career. And we're going into 2019 after a few losses at home. So an interesting time. Let's, Let's get into it. Let's talk about what our resolutions are for the Phoenix Suns for 2019. I'd say the best metaphor is that it's just a really bad roller coaster, but it's the only roller coaster that's in the area, so you don't have a choice but to get on it. <laughs> yeah, it's like if a roller coaster started on the top of a mountain, so there was never the going up. It's, it's just, just going, going down. down the entire time. <laughs> uh, so, first person we want to talk about the coach. Igor Kokoshkov. So Igor Kokoshkov was a first-time head coach, previously assistant with the Suns, the Jazz, and the Detroit Pistons. He was on that uh, coaching staff when the Detroit Pistons won their most recent championship. Uh, first time being a head coach. He's he's coached for the national team. Uh, interesting head coach so far. Uh, it's really difficult to judge Igor Kokoshkov because his offense is predicated on multiple playmakers so as we've seen he's had one and even Devin Booker as his one playmaker he's not really he didn't come into the season as a a really great playmaker he didn't come to the NBA as a playmaker at all so all of the development in his playmaking skills has come in his time here at the Phoenix Suns and he has no other playmakers to deal with Uh, it's been an up and down career let's say for Igor Kokoshkov and the Phoenix Suns so far how have you felt about him in this 2018-2019 season you know I feel like as a fan base we put really high expectations for him um we didn't really put enough expectations on the team and rather we put him on the coach we'll say you know we have the talent we have the people drafted at the high picks um let's just put it all on this coach this brand new coach who has uh, glowing recommendations and I still think he is the right coach uh, I don't know if, you know, the problems that the fan base has with Igor Kokoshkov are entirely on him. And I'd say as a fan base, you know, this is I'm a fan. I'm like to Reddit listeners. I'm literally one of you guys. We're all literally one of you guys. I'm just saying give the guy a little bit of slack. Uh, I really I think that his motion offense has been really good. I just don't know if the team building and team is really it's crafted well enough to do the things that he wanted to do, you know? Yeah, it's a weird thing where you look at the plays just sort of as they're drawn up, and they look good. It's just the people in the position to score, to make the plays on the team, aren't really living up to the system itself. I find myself thinking as a game starts and we start running these off-ball plays for Devin Booker, people cutting around screens, lots of movement off the ball, I find myself thinking, uh, let's just do a Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton pick and roll. <laughs> I just want to see it at this point. And it's because they're the two clear best players on the team offensively. By far. And involving them in every action makes a lot of sense right now because in that starting lineup specifically – we have DeAnthony Melton, who's a bit of a zero on offense so far. He can shoot. He's got the potential to shoot. He can attack. Can't really play through contact. Can't really finish uh, with a defender on him. So his offensive skill set, let's just say it's limited. And the other option is, of course, uh, Mikhail Bridges on the wing, who's a defender whose shot has been a little up and down. And we're going to, of course, talk about each of these players individually. So the other one is T.J. Warren, of course. T.J. Warren is a capable offensive player, but has no playmaking abilities. He's never really making plays for other people. It's always sort of a either a look directly at the rim, or now, of course, he's got that weapon in his three-point shot. So I love T.J. Warren, but the point is when the ball swings to any of those three players, they can't really create for anyone else. So I find myself wanting that Devin Booker, DeAndre, eight in pick and roll uh, every time. Uh, And the last few games have been characterized by bad starts. So, of course, starting out really terribly, there are potential solutions for that. A lot of it is, of course, everyone watching says effort. Effort is the main solution for bad starts. But maybe it's changing up the lineup, too. I'm not really sure uh, what it is. So, having said all that, 
What is your resolution for Igor Kokoshkov in 2019? I wrote this, and this is going to be a uh, recurring theme potentially, but it's get your shit together, but with a question mark. Uh, <laughs> Igor is he is the head coach. He's still responsible for the attitudes and the way we start games and how you know we have to come out with a little bit of fire. My dad used to tell me all the time in my pickup games, in my NJB and AAU games, you have to play with the fire in your pit. And it's rich, but if, he, if my dad, who's never played basketball, knows that, these guys who have played basketball all their life and won have to know that. Uh, and Igor has to know that and he has to do a better job, but it's really rough for a rookie coach to do that. Totally agree. Uh, and and it's, it is a great recurring theme, right? Get your shit together because that's the main problem with this team. So if we hear that a few more times, I would not blame you. My resolution for Igor Kokoshkov is actually going to be uh, get a tech. Get a tech defending your players because I think what happens sometimes is he's a he's a professional. He's very calm on the sidelines. He I noticed something he does when he calls timeouts. He doesn't even talk to the players right away. He he walks directly out into the middle of the court. He lets the p- players congregate next to the bench, and he meets with his assistant coaches for a few seconds. He talks about the plan, and then he goes together with the assistant coaches, and he talks to the team as a he whole. He really needs to pull out a page uh, out of the guy who spurned us, David Fisdale, and he's got to come out and say, you know, y'all ain't going to rook us. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Because I think what happens is we have a few players that do not get the respect of referees. And as a whole, I don't think our team gets respect from referees. And I think partly that's because we start three rookies, right? A bunch of young guys on the team. So you know how refs are. They, they, they tend to favor veterans. So I think as a coach of a team full of guys like that, especially with a guy like TJ Warren who gets knocked to the ground on about every other drive to the basket, you got to get out there. You got to defend your guys. And I know it's not actually maybe the most beneficial thing in the midst of the game to go out there and give a free point to the other team. But what you're doing is you're showing the players that play for your team that you're willing to go out there and take a hit for that team because you know it's worthwhile in the long run for the rest to start giving you a little more respect. Otherwise, you're going to be out there in the middle of the court yelling at them on national TV or maybe twice a year on national TV and the other the rest of the time on local markets. So that's my goal for Igor Kokoshkov. One, get your shit together. That's a good one, I will say. But the other one is get a check. Fight for your players. I think it's worthwhile. And the best opportunity to do that is one of those um, you know, Pacific games where you know we're at the bottom of the Pacific, bottom of the West, and we're going to play against a lot of teams that are going to beat us up. And in those games where we already know, like the writing's on the wall, we're trying to put up a fight, but it's getting ahead of us. You can say we can afford a point down, we can afford a tech to the coach. Hell, we can even afford an ejection because that ejection will show more than trying to keep this game closer. Hey, I'm Chris Hansen, and my favorite 2018 Suns memory has got to be winning the draft lottery, and that might be my favorite 2018 memory in general, which is saying a lot because I got married last year, so hopefully my wife is not listening to this, which I highly doubt that she is. Um, And my New Year's resolution for 2019 has to be also to get a point guard. Um, That was my New Year's resolution of 2018. Um, So you know how it goes. No one sticks to resolutions. It is what it is. But hopefully 2019 is the year. Number two, second player on our list to talk about. First player, actually, DeAndre Ayton, the number one overall pick in the 2018 draft. DeAndre Ayton's been uh, a really fun player to watch develop so far. After a couple disaster rookie seasons for players other than really Devin Booker in the last five years, it's nice to see a player that he can have 20 and 12 in a game and, and you can leave it thinking, wow, he could have done a lot better in that game. That's a nice place to be, right? We've suffered through Josh Jackson. We, we've suffered through uh, Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender and Alex Len. It's really nice to have DeAndre Ayton so far. What, what do you think about DeAndre Ayton in the 2018 year so far? I, I want to say I can't ask for more from him. Like, number one would be comes in, immediately puts it together in the places that we know he can put it together. But, you know, you wouldn't be a number one rookie and you wouldn't be in the rookie of the race here without rookie of the year race 
I switched up those words. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't get that kind of criticism. You wouldn't be there without criticism is what I'm trying to say in a horrible right. mess of words. <laughs> and the biggest criticism, obviously, this is defense. So my resolution for him is uh, maybe buy a whack-a-mole game and go work on your reflexes so you can average more blocks per game. And my number for him is aim for 1.5 blocks per game for the rest of the year. Not bad. He's averaging about one right now. Yeah, I think that's a fair that's a fair thing to ask for. I think a guy at his size with his athletic ability should walk into one block a game. One block should be the minimum to me, absolute minimum. So asking for just a little bit more than that is not asking for too much. I think that's a fair thing to ask. And you know, DeAndre Ayton's been really good, uh, especially in December. His numbers were really, really good and offensively very good. And of course, like you said, when you're at that level and you come in as the number one pick, your game is going to be completely picked apart. Everyone's going to look at it and point out the flaws in your game. But I think we need to talk about what he's actually good at, right? Let's do that. That's what we do. We're a Phoenix. We're fans, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> Ultimately, we're fans. So here's what I think he should do. In the last 10 games, DeAndre Ayton is averaging 5.5 offensive rebounds per game. And to really illustrate how much that is, the number one player in the NBA in offensive rebounds is Andre Drummond, and it's 5 point three offensive rebounds. That's something. And that's a pretty good stretch. Yes, absolutely. So my goal, my resolution for DeAndre Ayton is for the twenty nineteen year, average the most offensive rebounds in the NBA. What we've put on DeAndre Ayton a lot is effort. We say you need to be aggressive to start the game. And I've talked about it in the past. I think that's turned into a lot of posting up or catching it and facing up for 18 feet, which is not exactly his game. What he needs to do is be aggressive on those offensive rebounds. And and if he averages 5.5 offensive rebounds for the rest of the season, he will be number one in the NBA in offensive rebounds. And right now he's currently averaging 3.3, which is not a lot, but it kind of makes sense with how he was playing to start the year. He's actually below Gobert and below Anthony Davis, but above Carl Anthony Towns and DeAndre Jordan. So still very, very good. He's, I think he's 12th in the NBA in offensive rebounds. So for the rest of the year, DeAndre Ayton, I believe you're capable of averaging 5.5 offensive rebounds. We've seen it for 10 games in a row, which is a pretty good sample size, by the way. And I think you can do it for the rest of the year, 5.5 offensive rebounds. And the other thing is, I was at an open practice for season ticket holders. I'm not a season ticket holder, but I was able to get in with a friend of mine. And I saw him shoot threes just in practice, shooting threes over and over again. And it just looks so smooth. He's a huge guy. It doesn't look like a far shot from him. It just looks so effortless, so simple. So although I want him to average 5.5 offensive rebounds, I also want to see him shoot some threes in the 2019 year. How do you feel about that, Rice? Um, I'm a little conflicted about the threes thing. Uh, I think it's necessary for this kind of NBA, but at the same time, Um, I think what has to happen, and this also ties into the offensive rebounding thing, what has to happen is that he has to be double teamed in the post, and he's not even really getting that even in his best games. The reason why he was doing so well on offensive rebounds in the last 10 is because our guards aren't giving him the ball. And this is why he'll end up with 20 and 12 with 18 minutes or yeah, 18 minutes to go in the game, and he'll end up with 24 and 13 for the rest of the game. Um, so I don't even know if shooting threes is going to alleviate a lot of things. I really want, the, I think it's a little bit lower on the list of priorities for the teams concerning DeAndre Ayton. I think that's a fair point. Uh, but I figure at this point we're nine and 31. <laughs> this is a development year and I'd like to see him shoot some threes just to see, just to see what it's like. Just, just one game this year, take five threes and let's see what happens. Yeah. The Carl Anthony Towns comparisons won't really come full circle until we see DeAndre and shoot a couple threes, right? Absolutely. So this is Catherine Fitzgerald from the Arizona Republic. Um, 2018 was my first year covering the Sun, so this is coming from a media standpoint, but I have two favorite moments, um, or parts of 2018. The first, it's just been really interesting getting to know this young team that I remember specifically at media day at the start of the season when DeAndre Ayton told us how he has a relationship with Steve Nash, but he said specifically about Nash. Every time he texts me, it's the best advice. It's a big paragraph, but I sit down and read it. And 
that was a cool start to the season because I found that very relatable thinking of all the very long texts I've gotten that I have to sit and read. Um, and I would put that up there with my other favorite moment from 2018, which was when Jonah Hill wore the Suns jersey. Um, two very different but big moments, so that's what stands out to me from 2018. All right, next player to talk about, Tony Warren Jr., Anthony Warren Jr., one of the best offensive players uh, efficiency-wise at his position so far this season. TJ Warren, as we've talked about in great detail, has fixed his three-point shot, has been incredible offensively. He's playing power forward. It's a little bit new uh, for him playing in that larger role and it's been an interesting time. Well, now is an interesting time, I think, to talk about TJ Warren because he was kind of bad the last few games, right? Yeah. Um, TJ, Aiton, and Booker are like the pillars of the team. And when one of the pillars crumbles, the whole team crumbles. And that's something that you we've really needed to rely on them. And TJ's been really playing out of his mind. He's done more than we asked. But the time that he doesn't, you see how, you see how the Suns Reddit turns on him quickly. Right. And there's no, there's no yeah. reason to believe he won't come back to that. But... I mean, everyone goes through slumps. It's just, how do we work? How do we get TJ to get out of that slump? How does Igor do that? Yeah, I think a lot of it is that he got in early foul trouble in the last few games. And I think that's a difficult thing when you're a player like TJ Warren. You don't want to think, oh, I'm afraid to dive in there on a drive or I'm afraid to risk it on a a steal because TJ Warren, some of the things he's good at is, is absorbing contact and shooting uh, complicated finishes around the rim and then running it out on fast breaks and really taking it um, really taking it to the basket of course you know so my resolution for TJ Warren uh, is actually to rebound so here's the thing about TJ Warren he's playing power forward he's undersized for the power forward role so yes I know not in a great position for him but on basketball reference I looked up Every player labeled as a forward who has started at least 20 games this season. And TJ Warren, it's 38 players total. TJ Warren is actually third from last in rebounding per 36 minutes. So one of the worst rebounders at his position in the NBA. So my goal for TJ Warren is to rebound more and maybe even not rebound more as much as really make sure you put a body on the guy that you're up against to make sure that we get more team rebounds. The Suns have been one of the worst rebounding teams in the NBA and part of that is because TJ Warren is undersized at that position and I think he just needs to focus a little bit more uh, on rebounding as part of his game. What's your resolution for TJ Warren? Before I get to mine, I just wanted to say that's a really good point, and that's also something that needs to be applied to DeAndre Ayton as well. You know, the eye test, we see DeAndre Ayton fail to provide help D. That's where he needs to get better at, and we see him fail to put a body on someone. I really want to emphasize our team is bad at rebounding because you don't put a body on someone, and everyone learns their earliest basketball. uh, They all learn rebounding techniques, so I just wanted to say that's a really good point. Thank you. Um. So my, this one ties it back into getting respect from referees. My resolution for TJ Warren is draw more fouls. Uh, TJ is the quietest guy on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we drafted him, we thought, oh, he's going to be Kawhi. Uh, before we realized he couldn't play a lick of defense. <laughs> um, he's still he's still the quietest guy on TV uh, on the team. He got a picture with LeBron and didn't smile. That's how quiet. That's how chill this guy <laughs> is. So to go and ask him to you know complain to the refs when he just got teed up for looking at a ref. Uh, it's a it's a tall order, but uh, I think this is gonna go into the team. This is gonna go uh, with Igor Kokoskov and try and find a way to you know harden yourself a little bit, pun intended. Become James Harden and draw more fouls. <laughs> yeah, I like that you said that because I think part of it is sell that contact. You get hit a lot, and I know right. It's it's almost like you got to give up a man card. It's 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 almost as if you're not being manly enough when you sell that contact. But the fact is. That's how the NBA works. You have to sell contact. Refs don't always notice it. These guys are moving at really fast speeds. And for a ref to see every time a player gets hit, it's just not possible. So you got to sell it a little bit. So TJ Warren, I agree with that. Draw more fouls and part of that's on you. Part of that is on Igor Kokoshkov and part of that is on the refs because we got to figure out a way to get more respect. But part of it is also on TJ Warren. And the last thing for TJ Warren you got to learn that dump-off pass to DeAndre Ayton. 
I know that TJ Warren is not much of a passer, but he drives a lot. And when he drives, that second defender comes out on him quite often because he's a threat and he's able to get by that first guy. And when you get by that first guy, you got to drop it off to DeAndre Ayton. And that pass is difficult. It's in traffic and it's low. So in traffic and low in the paint, it's hard. But Jared Dudley was very, very good at it. Take out that Jared Dudley tape, watch some dump off passes, and get some easy assists to DeAndre Ayton. See, I don't even know if TJ's physically capable of getting more than three assists a game. <laughs> uh, I think he's going to have to dump it off to someone else to get that hockey assist. That's the only way this world's going to keep working. <laughs> you might be right. Hey, guys. This is Shimpoint One from the Suns Reddit. Big fan of the podcast. I thought I'd leave you guys a message about my favorite moment of 2018 and a resolution for the team in 2019. So 2018, by far, my favorite moment was the 121-100 to blowout of the Dallas Mavericks on opening night. To me, that was the perfect example of what happens when the team actually executes Igor's offense. Um, you have Devin Booker shooting 12 of 19 from the field, 6 of 10 from 3, along with 7 assists and 4 boards. DeAndre Ayton, of course, put up the 18 points, 10 boards, and 6 assists, along with a steal and a block. And overall, the team has 35 assists to 11 turnovers, right? And I think the team is young. It's going to take some time for them to better understand the offense, um, especially over the offseason. I think it will help the team improve. But um, I think Igor's got a good system. Um, he just needs some time to um, work with the players so that they can better execute. For 2019, my biggest resolution for the team is to improve their team defense. Right. right now, it's one of the biggest weaknesses that you can see, um, whether it's because they're young uh, or because you know, Igor is an offensive coach or whatnot. That's definitely an area that they need to improve in the second half of the season and into the 2019-20 season. You look at a team like the Denver Nuggets, they have two really good offensive players in Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic that aren't necessarily great defenders by themselves, but it works because of their team defense concepts that they have. Denver is 8th in defensive rating and they're 8th in offensive rating. When you put that together, it makes for one of the top teams in the league. So I think that's the direction the Suns should push themselves towards in 2019 and work on over the offseason. We really start to see things come together next season. So that's all I have, guys. And uh, thanks for taking my call. And again, love the pod. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. Devin Booker, interesting season for Devin Booker. Uh, very, very good as far as uh, playmaking has gone. Now, we've we've put him in a bit of a uh, playmaking sort of James Harden role, right? That's, that's the guy that everyone looks at because it's a shooting guard that's become a point guard. Uh, he's been pretty good up and down a little bit playing, maybe not fully healthy with his hamstring issues a few games. And I don't I'm not a huge fan of when he does that. But the, the obvious issue with his game, you know it. Why don't you talk about it? Yeah, you got to get your three back. And this is definitely mental. We've seen the, the best part. What makes Devin Booker Devin Booker is that he can turn his brain off and let his game do the talking. And it seems like when he gets that open three, he doesn't turn his brain off. And this is something that we're going to revisit with Mikhail Bridges. Um, you just got to, you know, play a little bit more in the rhythm, rhythm of the game and don't I don't know, set your feet and just get your three back. And it's really hard to do that when you're coming off not only a hamstring injury, but a broken right hand on your shooting mm-hmm. finger, like on your shooting hand. Uh, but I think he knows that, and I think he knows how to do it because Devin Booker, when has he failed us? Yeah, and I think you're right. It might be just as simple as he had surgery on his hand to start this season, and the further away from the basket you are, the harder it is to shoot. So it's likely that he will get that back at some point, hopefully this year, and maybe not at this point. We've talked about it. Nine, we're 9-31. and 31. <laughs> We're 9-31. and 31. If we lose a few extra games to get a high draft pick, maybe it's not so bad. Um, and I'm with you. It, the resolution is, Devin Booker, uh, get your three back. And I'm I'm happy about uh, Devin Booker. He's He's played... Very well. I think his development in the pick and roll was vital for this team because going forward, the keys to this team 
are Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And this was something that James Jones said when I was at the arena yesterday. They're the key for the team. So that development in the pick and roll and the ability to create off of it, not just for himself and not just for DeAndre Ayton, but also for the guys spotting up around the arc, that's absolutely necessary. That's the way the NBA works now. You got to find three-point shooters. You got to find the highest percentage shots. So get your three back. And, and, and even more specific than that, figure out that, Pull up three behind that screen because if they have to trap you around the DeAndre Ayton pick and roll, it's an easy assist for you or DeAndre Ayton. So Devin Booker, you've been playing very well so far. I'm looking forward to seeing that three-point shot back. And as we know, Rice, he's actually going to go to the All-Star weekend. James Jones said it and compete to win back his uh, his three-point shootout title. So I'm looking forward to seeing a Phoenix Sun at All-Star weekend. Hopefully he'll be there for multiple reasons, right? Hey, if Craig Hodges did it back in way back in the 90s, <laughs> Devin Booker can do it after averaging 32% this season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's absolutely possible. Uh, you know, and also, he takes some difficult ones, right? It's not even just that, that, that he's having trouble. He also takes some difficult shots as the guy who sort of has the ball as the shot clock is winding down. Perfect. Next player, Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail Bridges... Uh, a rookie, obviously, uh, a guy that the Suns gave up some pretty heavy assets for with that Miami Heat pick, which is looking better and better as Miami plays so far this season. Uh, he's been good, right? He's made his way into the starting lineup almost entirely based on his defense. Really long arms, <laughs> James Jones said at the uh, practice I was at. They almost don't look real. And I tend to agree <laughs> with that. When you see Mikael Bridges in person, he looks... Uh, he looks like a almost like a video game character or something <laughs> randomly <laughs> generated on 2k <laughs> yeah it just doesn't look real it's it's like you take the sliders and you push them all the way to the longest arms possible and that's what he looks like so how have you felt about uh mikhail bridges and, and what's your resolution for him well the uh rising term for him recently has been the rich man's trevor ariza uh and <laughs> you know up until up until the stretch of games where he was uh shooting poorly that was true, and now he's regressing to a regular man's Trevor Ariza. Um, yeah. So, but mine is not going to be related to his shooting. I just think he needs to bulk up a little bit more. Uh, right now, he's really playing in as that two and that small three, uh, and he's playing. He's starting with the lineup, with, but we may see a little bit of a lineup change. And I think he's his most natural element is in that Clay Thompson role uh, as a spot up shooter, and coming off the bench is might be the best option for him until he gets his uh, shot together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I like that one. Just eat more. Bulk up, Mikhail Bridges. And the reason I like that one a lot is because you just see, you can just see it. He belongs on a team that's playing well. Uh, that that type of defense, uh, the ability to anticipate what an offensive player is doing, doing uh, sh- shooting the passing lanes, uh, lots of deflections. He's been very, very good. And you can just see it. Now, my one thing is based on his shooting. So he's currently averaging... 34% from three, uh, 35.6% in the last 10 games. And my goal for him is to get his overall shooting percentage above 37% by the end of the season. And that's difficult. He would have to go 63 and 159 if he keeps at the same number of threes he's attempting per game, which is basically 39% from three. So if he averages 39%, in 2019, at the same number of attempts, he'll get his three-point percentage above 37%. He shot over 40% in college his last year. I think he's absolutely capable of it. And if that comes, this team gets a lot more difficult to stop because he's sort of that third line of offense. And I hope that he can figure that out. Um, this is the same thing that I was talking about with Devin Booker. Uh, but his shooting woes recently have been because he hasn't been shooting in rhythm. He's been thinking about it too much. And there was a lovely thread on Twitter. And uh, whenever we take a break, I'm going to go ahead and make sure I give credit to that guy. Uh, but it points out, it goes in depth and shows with video uh, why Mikhail's going through this situation that he's in. Uh, but I got you. Just, it's yeah. David Nash. David Thank Nash so from the much. Seven Seconds or Less podcast. He's fantastic. He did a great breakdown on uh, Mikhail Bridges' hitch. I guess you can call it a hitch. That's and cool. sort of how he shoots based on when he has less time and when he has more time. And to your point, Rice, 
the more time he has, the more likely he is to sort of hitch that jump shot. And we, I, me and Sam talked about it earlier in the season as well. It's not much of a concern considering he has that issue. He's still shooting 34%. It's not that bad considering he's a rookie. Uh, but I think you're right. He, you know, he's, he, it, it is a little bit about overthinking it. Hey, this is Shrieker, also known as Shrieky Shooter on Twitter, and I'm here to uh, talk about my favorite moment of the Phoenix Suns uh, 2018 calendar year. Uh, there weren't a lot, unfortunately, um, and the obvious one is being the worst team in the NBA and getting the number one pick in the 2018 draft. Uh, but... I think I'm going to go with, uh, with a different one. I think my low-key favorite moment was the final game of the season in 2018. The Suns had already wrapped up the worst record in the NBA, and and then uh, the our long-lost savior, Alec Peters, went off for 36 points in the final game of the season against the Mavericks. And that was just a sight to behold, and... R.I.P. Alec Peters, uh, wherever you are, hope you're happy, but thank you for that moment. And in 2019, there's a lot of resolutions that I hope the Suns have. Uh, I think the number one resolution is get a goddamn point guard. Get a point guard. An NBA starting point guard that can really help this team, help this coach, be an actual NBA team. Uh, if they don't do that, 2019 is a complete wash. If, if anything else they do is just going to be hampered by it. Get a point guard. Do it. Happy New Year. Next player, Josh Jackson. Ooh, this one's going to be a fun one to talk about. Uh, here's how I feel about Josh Jackson. To start the season, he was one of the worst players in the NBA. Oh, God. In, in the last 15 or so games, uh, I've sort of I see it now, <laughs> I guess more than anything. And you know, Sam and I we we talk about it a lot with uh, Dragon Bender. And part of what we've wanted from Dragon Bender is just a stretch of games where you can see it, and that's never come for Dragon Bender. And even to end last season in 2018 with Josh Jackson, I didn't fully buy it because we were losing by 30 games or 30 points per game, and a lot of what Josh Jackson did was in the fourth quarter when we were already down. But I've actually been much more impressed with what he's been doing in the last 15 games. So what is your resolution for Josh Jackson? Um, and I'm taking this right verbatim off of what I wrote down. Slow down and <clears throat> get your shit together. <laughs> uh, but I think you're right. He's getting his shit together. Uh, he knows what he knows what he has to do. And I think the addition of Kelly Oubre has really been great for him. Uh, and who we'll talk about next, but I think he realizes his role is, uh, you know, to be that high, a high energy defense guy who doesn't play out of what he doesn't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right about that Kelly Uber thing. I think there's an identity to the, to those guys coming off the bench and maybe it won't even be that long. Uh, you know, we're recording this before the Charlotte game. They might be one of those two guys, Josh Jackson or Kelly Uber might be starting this game to try and fix that issues with the first quarter. But one thing I've noticed about Josh Jackson and, and my resolution for him is keep your hands out of the cookie jar. And here's why I say this. One of the issues with Josh Jackson's defense coming into the NBA and for the first maybe 20 or 30 games of this 2018-19 season was gambling. He tends to reach, he tends to jump passing lanes, he gives up drives because he thinks he can make the steal, and the last maybe 10 to 15 games, what I've noticed that Josh Jackson is doing is getting his chest right up there in the offensive player and he's keeping his hands out of it. He's not reaching. He's not swiping. He's not jumping those passing lanes unless it's a guaranteed steal. And that's what he has to do. He's got those playmaking skills as we've seen. And maybe, maybe the third best playmaker on our team after Booker and Aiden, and maybe that'll continue for him. But I think what he needs to focus on is that effort defensively and keep your hands out of it. Cause I think that's a really great, benefit and really great uh, change in his game from the beginning of the season so josh jackson keep your hands out of that cookie jar hi everyone i'm alessandro uh, some of you may know me as alessandro cozzi on twitter and as you can tell from my accent i'm not american i'm i'm italian and i've been a Suns fan since 2011 
this past year has definitely been one of the most exciting and frustrating at the same time as a Suns fan. The happiest moment uh, for me was the lottery night uh, when it was announced uh, that we won uh, the number one overall pick. It was uh, very late in the, in the night in Italy. It was 3 a.m. if I'm not mistaken and I basically started crying tears of joy because we fi I finally felt relieved uh, from, from that burden. And from 2019 I expect the Suns to finally uh, trade for or sign a starting level point guard and my preference will be someone with, uh, with a lot of experience, maybe, maybe Rubio or Collison so they so the rest of the team can grow together without another polandler i don't think they are going to make the proverbial jump so i think it's crucial for them to find someone who can uh, run the point as well as stabilize the position because uh, we can't uh, let melton and okobo run uh, run the point uh, even next year so that's that's what I what I had to say and bye. Thanks for for having me. Next player we're going to talk about Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre, an interesting uh player for the Phoenix Suns. We traded uh Trevor Ariza for him as we know after some weird reporting by Woj, some up and down excitement uh where Kelly Oubre was potentially going to Memphis uh for Wayne Selden and one of the Brookses, who they finally traded, by the way. They they finally got rid of Wayne Selden and Marshawn Brooks. Uh, Kelly Oubre, I've been a fan. How have you felt about Kelly Oubre so far? Oh, he's been great, and that's why my resolution for him is not going to be related to his basketball. It's really just delete your social media. You're too pretty for the internet, man. <laughs> yeah, I saw the Suns recently. They, they, they just put a slow-motion clip of... Kelly Oubre walking into a game and that's all they put they're just like yeah, this is our this is our content for today it's just slow motion Kelly Oubre and that's pretty that's pretty smart just just continue doing that sons um, you know, our female like just went up by I mean 100% <laughs> now there's two of them <laughs> uh, here's what I would say for Kelly Oubre couple things and I'll and I'll we'll go a little quickly through some of these but uh in Washington, Kelly Oubre was shooting 31% from three, and John Wall is known as one of the best at creating open threes for players, and he still was only shooting 31% from three. Since joining the Phoenix Suns, he's shooting 37% from three. So really, my goal for Kelly Oubre is just keep doing what you're doing. If you can keep shooting 37% from three, you have a role on this team. And anything beyond that, maybe wait to improve till next season after we lock you down for a few more years. <laughs> because if you keep improving too much, you're going to get a little too expensive for us. All right, and then we won't be able to hold on to you like we want to for dear exactly. life. Exactly. Exactly. Next player, Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes. I'm friends with his mom now, so uh, he does nothing wrong, right? Well, she's our mom. She's everyone's mom now. <laughs> And she's perfect. Uh, she's perfect, and he's perfect. Yeah. You know, Rashawn Holmes. It's hard to criticize him, right? In his role, he brings defense. He brings energy. He's good on offense. We are able to give him the ball in space. He can dunk it down. He can get catch lobs. I mean, what the, do we really want him to do? And the best part is he dunked it on Markeith Morris. Like we can't ask exactly. for anything more from Rashawn Holmes. Exactly. So, Rashawn, yeah. Baby, keep doing what you're doing. You're perfect. Next player, another rookie. We have a few. Uh, Elia Kobo. So Elia Kobo, it's been mostly, I would say, up and down, but there hasn't been a lot of ups for Elia Kobo. He's sparked some comebacks, but as you know, what what is that really? Sparking a comeback when you're already down by 20? A lot of people consider that garbage time scoring. So yeah. maybe that's that's really his his best thing so far. Uh, what's your what's your goal for Elia Kobo? What's your resolution? Well, the thing about Ellie is for where for all of our other valuable rookies, we've seen them play big in a win. And we've only really seen Ellie Kobo play big in losses, notably the OKC game. So to him, I really want to see like, you know, figure out what you're doing. Like, no, what are you doing? As Devin Booker said to him as he fumbled the inbound pass. <laughs> uh, you can get your ahead. shit together. Yeah, get your shit together again. My goal for Ellie Kobo, just a very basic one. Uh, shoot more. 
shoot more threes. Uh, you know, I like your attacking. I like all of that. But we've seen your move when you were in the EuroLeague is that three off the dribble. And I think you ha- you've been hesitant, Elliot Kobo, to do that so far this season. And I understand you're trying to get people involved, but we need a spark. Let it fly. Let it fly. Nothing to lose. Well, except for more games. <laughs> Hi, yes, I heard this was the Phoenix Suns fan support line. Uh, my name is Espo. I've been a fan for 30 years now. And, uh, yeah, it, it's difficult. I, I'm going to say that much. And, uh, you know, I was asked to give my favorite moment of 2018. And there were so many of them to choose from. Uh, actually, not that many. But I, I guess if I'm being real here, I got to say it was watching your general manager get fired nine days before the regular season. I mean, there's nothing that says franchise that has it all put together like firing a guy that just drafted number one overall and hired a new coach before the season even starts. So that was a pretty impressive moment in 2018, uh, as well as the uh, inadvertent deal to wind up with Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, that was another red-letter day in Sun's moments uh, in 2018. And uh, I was also asked for my New Year's resolution for the Suns in uh, in 2019. And I think that uh, that has to be uh, actually playing hard in the first quarter of a basketball game. I'd love to see the Suns take that. So thank you for being here to, to, as a support to Suns fans, and, uh, and I appreciate it, guys. The, ne- the next guy on the list, another rookie point guard, DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony Melton has been an interesting player. Uh, earned the starting spot as well, which, as we know, is not much of a compliment for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, we've, we've tried a lot of different starting uh, point guards so far, and, and who knows, DeAnthony Melton, although you're keeping it right now, maybe Devin Booker should be in that spot going forward. Uh, what do you think about DeAnthony Melton? What do you think the goal for him should be in 2019? Well, it's hard for me to think a lot about him when I barely think about him even when, even when he's playing. Like, he doesn't stuff the stat sheet. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't take a lot of shots, which is fine. He doesn't have to. But we do want to want him to be a little bit more visible. Uh, we were hoping for him to be a better Shaq Harrison. Um, right. And well, our gripe with Shaq was he shot too much. Maybe our gripe with DeAnthony is he's not shooting at all. On offense, he's not right. doing a damn thing. So be more visible right. on the court, DeAnthony. You're doing okay. We want you to be better. I like that. I like that. Um, and I like that comparison with Shaq Harrison. I think one thing that we have to remember about Shaq Harrison, I believe he's 26 years old. Uh, DeAnthony Melton is still a child as far as I'm concerned. He has the ability to develop. He has time to get better in the NBA. And one of the things you can do to really benefit this team, DeAnthony Melton, I like that I'm just talking directly to the players now as if they're going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> you never know. Uh, one of the things, well, yeah, maybe Rashawn has, but that's the only one I would guess. Um one of the things I want you to do, DeAnthony, develop a mid-range game. I know that your shot is a bit of a work in progress, something that has been a main talking point with DeAnthony Melton is he's fixed his shot coming out of college, and I do tend to agree with that. It just looks good. But where you're open on this team is in the mid-range. You need to have a floater. You need to have a pull-up game. You need to have a little bit of that Eric Bledsoe in you, and I hate to make that comparison because of how people feel about Eric Bledsoe, but that's what he was kind of good at. You need to be able to do that when you have a guy like DeAndre Ayton pulling all that gravity towards the basket. Get that floater off. Uh, Get get it up in that mid-range, DeAnthony Melton. That'll benefit you a lot. Definitely. All right, next player, Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford. You know what? I'm going to let you start this one. I like your note for Jamal Crawford. Um, dear Jamal Crawford, uh, get your shit together. <laughs> um, th- here's the thing, though. Like, We're really happy with what he's done for the team, given our disappointment with veterans that we pay a lot of money. And here we pay this 39-year-old guy who still plays like he's 29, <laughs> but not in a good way sometimes. And he's saying yeah. all the right things. He's bringing guys together. He's hitting game winners over the number one team in the East. Uh, but he's also still shooting 36% from the field, 27% from three. He's no. also yeah. playing like the Jamal Crawford that we kind of expected him to do. Right. 
And that's the worst part, I think, that, that you're saying is this is kind of what we thought he was going to be, uh, you know, especially Sam, who, who tends to not, he's not a big fan, let's say, of Jamal Crawford. Uh, so the fact that he's sort of playing up to those expectations or playing down to those expectations is not great. But I have breaking news for you. I got breaking news for you, Rice. Are you ready for this? I am ready for it. Last year, Jamal Crawford played for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and Woj, literally less than a minute ago, just tweeted, Minnesota has fired president and coach Tom Thibodeau. Can you believe that? This is where the Woj bomb sound goes, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. It might hit, it might hit a few times because this is a massive bomb. Uh Tom Thibodeau has paid, I, th- I believe, over $10 million a season. He had a long deal, and that means he's going to be paid by the Minnesota Timberwolves going forward for the next few years, and they're still willing to get rid of him. As we know, he was the general manager for that team, he was the coach of that team, and he was essentially the president of all operations for that team. Uh, that team is the team that Jamal Crawford played for last year. Funny enough, my one goal for Jamal Crawford was to work on that front office job. He's talked about that being his goal and guess what? He's not he's not doing well off the off the bench for us. So at this point, I want him to be a mentor for our young players. I want him to be on that bench, but that's kind of where I want him to stay. Start working on that front office job. Let Elliot Kobo get those developmental minutes and maybe play less than ten minutes a game going forward. Um, briefly, Minnesota firing Tom Thibodeau. How do you feel? Do you have any thoughts on that? I know I just sprung it on you, but yeah, no, I just I want to get ten seconds in about this because I know we don't have a lot of time for this podcast. Um, they just <laughs> destroyed the Lakers by twenty points, uh, twenty two points. Andrew Wiggins had a fantastic game. Uh, it's funny to do this after uh, they get a really good win against the LeBronless Lakers, but I mean, this was a long time coming. Uh, Minnesota fans are probably yeah. rejoicing right now. So it's been a very weird season. I know, I know, we're on a rabbit trail now, but I, I just have to talk about it. Uh, it's been a very weird season for Minnesota, right? They started with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had that epic practice where he walked in and told everyone to fuck off, and uh, and completely dominated a a pickup game essentially with his teammates. And since he left, Carl Anthony Towns has become an absolute monster offensively, uh, averaging an insane number of points, assists, and rebounds, an incredible player. They've been up and down, but to me, their record since he left was about what you can expect, about the top level of what you can expect uh, from a team like this. So kind of odd timing for Minnesota. Not that there's a great time to really fire a coach, maybe towards the end of the season. It's a little early. Um, Sounds like we might get a little more of that story coming out over the next few days, I would imagine. Hey, it's Tizdu. For me, my favorite Suns moment of 2018 was the back-to-back win we had against the Timberwolves. My friends and I were at the game, and we were sitting by a bunch of Minnesota fans who did not like us very much. It was a good time and a really good win. As far as uh, 2019 goes, I really just want us to continue getting better. Our record is kind of rough this year, but uh, we can see the effort and talent developing with pretty much every game. I'd also like to see Aiton get a little more recognition for his baller stats. Happy New Year, y'all. Troy Daniels, uh, what's our goal for Troy Daniels? Uh, get more playing time. You can shoot the three, and we need a team. We, we're a team that needs to shoot the three. Uh, that's all I got for you, man. Yeah, do we really need to play... Uh, Jamal Crawford over Troy Daniels. Igor, come on. It's more of a goal for Igor Kokoshkov because I think Daniels has actually earned it, and I just don't think there's a problem. Even playing him next to Devin Booker at this point, just to give him some space to run to the basket. I mean, we didn't play him for 25. Sorry. We didn't play him for 25 games, and the first thing he does is have like 15 points a game. So Splash. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. That's not hyperbole, by the way. If you look at the actual stats of guys who are catch-and-shoot guys, he's one of the best in the NBA, and he can't get time on one of the worst teams in the NBA. Does not make sense to me. Uh, Dragon Bender, um, I'm going to let you start this one again. Um, get your shit together. <laughs> Dragon Bender, get your shit together. Um, it, I know, bit of a shit Dragon. I know, he's still developing, but you got you, you're in your last year. You have nothing to lose. Um, maybe we can send him to the G League, but I mean, yeah. right now he's really just taking yeah. a roster spot and some extra center and power forward minutes that you know, might as well. Either uh, we're 9-31. Th- I'm going to keep saying that because I think the context matters for all these. 
either play Dragon Bender some spot minutes at backup center, uh, preferably backup center, or power forward next to DeAndre Ayton to see if there's any possibility of that working, or send him to the G League because if we keep giving him what we've been giving him so far, he's going to end up in China, and maybe that's the goal for him. He should talk to Big Sauce about uh, what it's like to play in China. You know, I always dread playing the Nuggets now because he just reminds me about 46 points from Jamal Murray, how we took zero points from Jock and Bender over him. All right, next guy. I don't have much to say about this, but we got to talk about him. The owner of the Phoenix Suns, Robert Sarver. What do you think about Robert Sarver? What's his resolution? Fuck off. <laughs> But really, realistically, though, we may be stuck with this guy. Um, hopefully, he's doing all this practice practice facility stuff in hopes to gather a great return on his $150 million investment from 15 years ago. Yeah. That's the best case scenario. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm just spitballing so hard here. I really just want this guy gone. Here's my challenge for Robert Sarver, and I'm going to do this quickly because I don't think he, he's earned the time that we're about to give him. But Robert Sarver... I think you should announce plans to build a new practice facility in Phoenix before there is a vote on a renovation deal for the new arena. And what this would do, Robert Sarver, is it would prove that you're committed to staying in Phoenix. It would prove that you're committed to investing in your players. And it would give residents a chance to understand and give you the benefit of the doubt that you're planning on staying in Phoenix because you had a very bad 2018, and it's up to you to make it better. No one else can. So I challenge you, Robert Sarver, announce the plans to build a new practice facility right now and let everything that comes with it come with it. Well said. And lastly, lastly, James Jones, our interim co-GM. That's what actually he's been he's been listed as co-GM, but he's out there. As far as we're concerned, he represents the team as a general manager. There's one obvious goal for James Jones in 2019, and what is that goal, Rice? Um, James Jones, you gotta find a point guard. Uh, looking at the find a goddamn point guard. <laughs> <laughs> watching this Clippers game, you know, it really hurts that Patrick Beverly is the guy who's giving all of our guards hell. He gave Devin Booker complete hell. He gave uh. I'm sorry, D'Anthony Melton, Elliot Kobo, you didn't really do much because Patrick Beverly brings that kind of intensity that we get from Rashawn Holmes and Josh Jackson and Kelly Oubre, but he does it from the position we need the most. And I know right. in the summer we were a little bit apprehensive about letting go of that Milwaukee pick that's now going to be the 30th overall or some crap like that. Mm-hmm. Really wish we got him, uh, and it just hurts, but he's not the end-all be-all. He's just what I really wanted. No, it's it's a perfect guy to fit that role, and he would have been a perfect guy for this team. And I don't know that he'll be available uh, going forward, so it's kind of a shame that we kind of wasted uh, an opportunity to potentially get a guy like him. And maybe he wasn't available. We don't really know the full story. Hi, Mike. It's Sam. Uh, you've been doing such a great job with the last couple of episodes, and I can't wait to join back up in uh, the next week so that I can start actually doing something and helping you out again. My favorite Suns moment of 2018 is absolutely the drafting of DeAndre Ayton first overall. Um, I think it's safe to say that he's been everything that I've wanted so far in his rookie season. And of course, we've seen you know some slight weaknesses out of him, but he's had a fantastic rookie campaign so far. And it just alleviates so many fears uh, about this team's roster construction going forward, knowing that we now have a legitimate number two guy uh, behind Devin Booker. So that, of course, was my favorite moment. Um, I was so giddy uh, on the night of the draft. As for the resolution for the Suns in 2019, it's all about roster construction. This team needs to add some serious talent uh, over the next year. Right now, in the midst of the season, I think it's easy for us to get really into the nitty-gritty and and look at some trivial roster combinations, arguing about this roster, uh, this starting lineup or that starting lineup. What the truth is, for the Suns right now, there is no perfect combination. There's a serious hole at point guard, there's a serious hole at power forward, and there's just no way to fix that internally. So, James Jones, time to get the work. Thanks, and uh, looking forward to the episode. Those are our resolutions. How do you feel about those resolutions, uh, Rice? Uh, more negative than positive, but, I mean, that's what you get when you follow the Phoenix Suns in 2019. 
<laughs> Special thanks to Espo Shrieker uh, from Twitter, Catherine Fitzgerald, Chris Hansen, Alessandro Cosi, uh, and from Reddit, Tizdu for uh, a mod with me, Zin.1, one of my favorite Redditors, and of course, Rice, a special thanks for you for joining me and co-hosting this podcast. Uh, here's to, I'm going to raise my glass because yes, I've been drinking this podcast. Here's to 2019 for the Phoenix Suns. How do you feel about them? Let's not get into that right now. I just spent 45 minutes <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> right. Here's to 2019. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all the fans of the timeline. Booker's turnaround on Graham comes up short. Graham had 10 points last night in his 26 minutes. just wrapped up another episode of the timeline i love this podcast and if you're like me you want as much sun's content as possible that's why i listen to the timeline every week so if you want to go ahead and hear some more phoenix sun's content go ahead and listen to the solar panel of phoenix sun show we are available on spotify on itunes on stitcher on google play anywhere that you listen to podcasts go ahead and check out the solar panel a phoenix sun's show Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com